If you'd like to, uh, open to start with, uh, with me, uh, to, uh, Hosea chapter 14. Hosea chapter 14. So you can talk about the Lord, but there's just a little thing, a little line here about talking. In, uh, Hosea chapter 14, just, uh, the, the very first, uh, line, the first, uh, few words in verse 2, <coughs> it says, Take with you words and turn to the Lord. Take with you words and turn to the Lord. You know, there's so many things in the scriptures about good words and how inspiring they're able to be and how we ought to be using them. I've become aware in, uh, in recent times, um, just in, uh, in my work, uh, about there's actually so many people who almost never hear any good words. You know, there's sort of situations there where, uh, and we, we know that some people have had some difficult uh, circumstances to do with their home lives and so on. But when you uh, find, uh, you know, some little person that's going along to your uh, school, and on that day they're not actually sure which of mum or dad is going to uh, to pick them up, and uh, uh, mum doesn't want dad to pick them up, and dad doesn't want mum to pick them up, and they never hear kind words said between the two of them. And they go home and the, the, the parents are just so consumed with life that they don't have time or occasion or the thoughtfulness to be able to give some nice words just to their kids as well. It was um, in, uh, in, in Chris's prayer, you know, he said, thank you, Lord, for the life you've given us. There's actually a lot of people around in this world that wouldn't stop and say, thank you, Lord, for the life you've given me, just because of the circumstances that they've been through. Now, a number of people here have been through different circumstances in their life. Uh, in growing up, there were people who had been brought up by people they didn't know, weren't uh, their parents, and weren't necessarily feeling that they were in a, a loving situation. But what the Lord promises to do for us is to bring us to a loving situation. And he wants us to return back to him and to come and have a chat with him sometimes. Lay things on the line, let him know what we want. Now, Brother Frank, in his testimony, he said, I said to the Lord. Now, here we are. Take your words and turn unto the Lord. I said to the Lord, well, can you make me a family because I can't make one. A bit later on, I said, Lord, so he spoke to the Lord again. I can't take the pain anymore. And Frank was able to tell us about what happened as a result of that. In this uh, verse here, it says, to take uh, with your words and turn to the Lord and say unto him, or take away all iniquity. That's not to turn around and point the finger at somebody else and say, make them to be a little bit better. It's about, Lord, take away any iniquity. Anything where I'm missing the mark, anything where I would be unkind to people, unfeeling, unthought, ungodlike. So it says to take away that iniquity and then receive us graciously. It's a plea to the Lord. It says, and so will we render, as an unusual phrase here, the calves of our lips. There was to do with a sacrifice. And we know that with some sacrifices, God is well pleased. We're told that uh, <clears throat> in Hebrews chapter 13, 
It says, if we offer that sacrifice of praise, it says, the fruit of our lips and giving thanks unto his name. Now, through the scriptures, we find particular people who were good at talking to the Lord. Now, close to here, just go back with me to Daniel chapter 10. It's only a couple of pages back. And I'll just remind you of a couple of things from the scriptures just to do about words. And the Lord encourages us to use good ones and right ones and powerful ones. Words of knowledge, words of compassion. There's all ways that we're able to talk to people and it's often the way that we like to be talked to as well. In Job, the phrase, how forcible are right words. It's not how forcible, as in trying to sort of you know, push your point and say, I'm just going to argue you down until you give up. It's not that. It's just oh, how forcible are right words. Now, they might, actually, they might actually be gentle words, but they hit the spot at the time and achieve exactly what's necessary. Oh, what great force there is in that. In Proverbs chapter 12, we're told, that heaviness in the heart of a man makes it stoop. And I think plenty of people have actually felt that before. Of heavy heart and it makes you stoop. You don't stand up straight and full of vigour and so on. It says, but a good word can make it glad. We've got an ability to deliver a good word to people. In Proverbs 16, it says, a pleasant words are like a honeycomb. They're sweet to the soul and health to the bones. They're wonderful words that are there. Also in Proverbs, in Proverbs 25, a word fitly spoken, just the right word at the right time, it says it's like apples of gold and pictures of silver. That's a wonderful thing. It lifts people up. And in Proverbs 15 as well, it says that a man has joy by the answer of his mouth. And a word spoken in due season, how good is it? It's not just how good is it that we might be spoken to that way. It might not just be that the other person has received it in the right way. But, oh, the feeling that when you think you've found the right words, it's how good is that? And so we search for those things that we might find the right words and the scriptures indicate that God takes notice of those things. In Daniel chapter 10, it actually starts off here in the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a thing was revealed unto Daniel. His name was called Belteshazzar. It says, And the thing was true, but the time appointed was long. And he understood the thing and had understanding of the vision. Now, of course, chapter 10 for those that are good at maths, follows chapter 9. We're going to come back into chapter 10. But the sort of words that Daniel brought to the Lord. Let's have a look just at some of them. And I guess we want to draw some comparison. Well, what sort of things do we bring to the Lord? Do we sometimes just bring our woes, or do we bring all of the observations of life? Lord, I've seen this and it didn't seem right. Oh, Lord, I've seen this, and I'd love to see that again. There's all sorts of things. Now, of course, Daniel was in a situation here where he'd been in a state of captivity for a long, long time. 
Now, the commentators have said that Daniel by this time, he was pretty advanced in his years. The third third year of Cyrus was about the 73rd year of captivity. And Daniel, he went there as a youth. So people are saying, at, at this point, when he's talking about things and the things that are important to him, when he's maybe already in his 90s, early 90s perhaps would be the case, and he held it his whole life. And the Lord gives capacity for that to happen. We'll just pick a few things. We'll go pretty quickly just through some of these things. Uh, from verse 3, Daniel says, I set my face unto the Lord God to seek by prayer and supplication. There's a lot of talking in that. With fasting and sackcloth and ashes. Fasting and sackcloth. I was serious about this. He was saying here, it says, And I prayed unto the Lord my God, and I made my confession, and said, O Lord, the great and dreadful God, keeping the covenant and mercy to them that love him, and to them that keep his commandments. He said, We have sinned. I've looked around. Goodness me, we've blown it. We've done so many bad things around the place. We have, he still counted himself as amongst the whole rest if you were, if you're like the congregation of the people that had come with him, we have sinned. He said, I can't separate myself from that. I'm a part of all of that. He could have said, oh, I've tried to do everything right and all of those guys over there have sinned. He said, look, we're a collective, uh, collective and unless we get it right all together, then all of us are going to struggle. He says, we've sinned, we've done iniquity, we've done wickedly, we've rebelled and even from departing from your precepts and from your judgments. And neither have we hearkened unto your servants, the prophets, who spoke in the time of our kings, our princes, our fathers, and to all the people of the land. It says, O Lord, righteousness belongs to you, but unto us confusion of faces. As at this day, as to the men of Judah, inhabitants of Jerusalem, and to all Israel that are near, that are far off, through all the countries where you've driven them because of their trespass, They've trespassed against thee. O Lord, to us belongs confusion of face. To our kings, our princes, our fathers, because we have sinned against you. To the Lord uh, our God belongs mercy and forgiveness, and though we have rebelled against him. He's telling all these things to, to the Lord. He says, Neither have we obeyed the voice of the Lord our God to walk in his laws, which he set before us by his servants, the prophets, all Israel transgressed your law, even by departing, that they might not obey his voice, or thy voice, and therefore the curse is poured upon us. Oh, we get a struggle out of all of this. And the oath that is written in the law of Moses, the service of God, because we have sinned against him, and he has confirmed his words, which he spoke against us and against our judges, and so on in verse 13, and as it is written in the law of Moses, all this evil has come upon us, Yet made we not our prayer before the Lord our God that we might turn from our iniquity and understand your truth. All this evil has come upon us. We can look at this whole world. We can say all this evil has come upon us and we haven't stopped and thought it's time to take some words back to the Lord. What a different world it would be 
if rather than the words that were, you know, brought up in people's minds, were just the complaint and accusation against everybody else and complaining and all those sorts of things, if everybody was able to admit themselves as a collective, we've not done all of these things very well, Lord, I want you to help us all to do it very well together because that will help all of us. Let's flick over to chapter 10 because we just want a couple of things here to do with what happened with Daniel. So we started off, uh, we did read verse 1. Verse 2, it says, In those days, I, Daniel, I was mourning three, four weeks. Now, during three weeks, he was talking to the Lord. I ate no pleasant bread, neither flesh nor wine came to my mouth. Neither did I anoint myself at all, for three whole weeks were fulfilled. It says, And in the four and twentieth day of the first month, as I was beside of the great river, which is Ahitakel, I lifted up mine eyes, and I looked, and behold, a certain man clothed in linen, whose loins were girded with fine gold of Euphaz. His body also was like the barrel, and his face as the appearance of lightning, and his eyes as lamps of fire. I think he's getting excited telling about all of this. And his arms and feet like the colour of polished brass, and the voice of his words like the voice of a multitude. And I, Daniel, alone saw the vision, for the men that were with me saw not the vision, but a great quaking fell upon them, so they fled to hide themselves. Therefore I was left alone and saw this great vision, and there remained no strength in me. For my comeliness was turned into me into corruption, and I retained no strength. Yet I heard the voice of his words, and when I heard the voice of his words, then I was in a deep sleep in my face, my face toward the ground. And behold, a hand touched me, which set me upon my knees and upon the palms of my hands. And he said unto me, O Daniel, a man greatly beloved, understand the words that I speak unto thee, and stand upright, for unto thee am I now uh, sent. And when he had spoken his word unto me, I stood trembling. And then he said unto me, Fear not, Daniel, from the first day that thou didst set thine heart to understand and to chasten thyself before God, thy words were heard, and I am come for thy words. So the encouragement from Hosea was, well, take some words and have a chat to the Lord. Take some words and turn to the Lord. He'll take it as a sacrifice. Whatever anybody else has tried to offer up before God to show how genuine they were to him, the scripture says, I'll be happy if you bring some words. Now the scriptures talk a lot about various words. So he wants us, like Daniel, to set our hearts and to understand to take notice of our own shortcomings and, and I guess the, the, the way society is trying to lead us to recognise that and just to draw closer to God. I'll quote through a few other things just to do with uh, words because sometimes words can be irritating. If you're taking notes, you can check these things again afterwards. But again, in Proverbs chapter 15, there's a couple of good ones through Proverbs 15 and so on. It says that a soft answer turns away wrath. It says, but grievous words stir up anger. Now that's what I was referring to a little bit before. I was talking about when you get some of these you know, young, young children, they're going through school, they only ever hear grievous words. 
they only ever see then anger and the results that go along with that. Where people have to actually phone up other organisations then to get permission to see their own children. But that's all come about because of their behaviours and it all started with the type of words that they used which then built to become other actions. So as I said, uh, as, as it came out in the prayer uh, from Chris about thank you Lord for the life you've given us and so many people don't thank anybody for the life that they've been given because they haven't been, they haven't seen the good things that we have. There are some people here through their earlier lives went through terrible, terrible things or maybe a little bit later in life as well but the Lord he repairs, doesn't he? He takes care of us so that I don't think there's, there's anybody here would have been able to, you know, with, with Chris's prayer, thank you, Lord, for the Lord, for the life you've given us, to turn around and say, oh, well, that might be all right for everybody else, but it's not for me. We actually all get drawn close to the Lord and we say, thank you, Lord, for the life you've given us. And hopefully <coughs> we've all moved away from those episodes of the grievous words that stir the anger. In Job, in chapter 16, verse 3, it asks, Will your vain words never end? Futile words. Words that actually don't help anything at all. They don't actually solve any problems. They don't encourage, they don't comfort, they don't do anything. Will those things never end? Job was on the tail end of all of those things. In Proverbs 29, it says, uh, verse 20, it says, if you see somebody who is hasty in their words, it says there's more hope for a fool than for him. We're warned to be careful in, in Colossians chapter 2, verse 4, about the men should not uh, beguile us with enticing words to lead us the wrong way. That we should be able to recognize, oh, that's a trick that you're pulling on me. You're trying to confuse me about where I'm going. I'm not going to go that way. And the Lord says, be alert to all of those things. He says, I'm happy to make you wise concerning all of those things. In Second Peter chapter 2 and verse 3, sometimes people's words are very insincere. And it talks about, that through covetousness shall they with feigned words, that means false or cunning arguments, They'll make merchandise of you. People can use their words and they can set you up. There's con men everywhere. If you get a phone call and you don't recognize the numbers there, don't pick it up and have a conversation with them. There's a fair chance there's a con man who's going to try to sort of lead you along some path. We sort of instruct the, the, the kids at school and uh, you would, you, your kids at home, if you don't recognize the number, don't pick it up, don't have a conversation there. If it's somebody who knows you, they'll send you a message and they'll identify who they are and you can work things through. Be very, very careful because people will get you if they can. The scriptures also talk about uh, great swelling words of vanity, so there's, 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 there's pride in all of those things. In Third John chapter 1, verse 10, uh, there, there are things in there about... There's people who use malicious words. That means hurtful, vicious words. And so many people get to hear 
all of those things. And then there are others who uh, like to hear what they have to say and they speak great swelling words. And that's uh, in, in uh, Jude verse 16. The great swelling words in the Amplified is about insolent or boastful or arrogant, about people being all full of themselves. Luke chapter uh, 11. In Luke chapter 11, just in verse 1, it came to pass that as he, this is Jesus, was praying at a certain place, when he ceased, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. Now, just that little line in there, that makes you have so much respect for John the Baptist, doesn't it? John taught his disciples. And, the, and, and, and these others who came to Jesus said, that was actually really, really special times. What if you teach us to pray? Teach us what words to bring. What will God actually respond to? What will he like to hear from us? Now, maybe it's not like some of these things. The people might sort of take some words and bring it to the Lord. Dear Lord, as your humble servant, let me prove to you that winning the lottery won't change me. We could try to do that. Dear Lord, please stop teaching me how to deal with difficult people. Some of you in your jobs might have to deal with those sorts of things. For some people, we just keep going back and it's sort of like, Dear Lord, it's me again. And we've got things I want to tell him and we think we're forever going and asking and needing our help. So Jesus was helpful here. He said, "Lot, I'll tell you some things." He didn't say, "He didn't say, learn to repeat this, repeat after me." Type. In fact, the scriptures tell us in that in a, so the, the similar passage in in Matthew not to use vain repetition. Don't come to the Lord with a just a rehearsed prayer again and again and again and say, "Oh, that's just just." by habit of prayer, think about what you're going to choose as your words. But Jesus said, it's after this sort of manner to pray. We'll just read a little bit here. And he said to him, when you pray, he said, say, but there's say words like, our Father, which art in heaven. Everybody, everybody here knows all of these lines. Address him for who he is and let him be a father to you. Speak to him in that way. You actually expect an answer from him. And it goes on, Hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come. Oh, goodness me. There's so many people, they say, Oh, Lord, please come soon. You know, we want that to be the case. But it's also got to be, oh, in the meantime, Lord, help me to do what you want me to be doing. You know, so thy will be done. And that's got to be, it says, in heaven, so in earth, and that's got to include in my life, your will in my life. And give us this day our daily bread. Lord, I'm going to be thankful for the provision that you give to me. And forgive our sins, for we also forgive everyone that is indebted to us. And Lord, if we're not doing that very well, help us to do it. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. There's so many important things there. Let's go just back to Malachi chapter 3. 
right at the end of the Old Testament. You know, we're encouraged through the Scriptures. I'm not going to go much further, just reading a little bit out of Malachi here tonight. We're encouraged from the Scriptures to make sure in our life we have a pattern of good works. So that would be a pattern of good conduct, a pattern of good uh, conversation. If you want to read a little bit about that in uh, Titus chapter 2. And it says, have sound speech that can't be condemned. So nobody's going to point an accusing finger and say, you say you're a Christian, but you speak that way. Well, we want to make sure that we're on top of all of that. There's other times that we don't know exactly, you know, oh, well, what will I say to God today? Well, there's a, there's a little out for a number of people that really helps them. In Psalm 69 and verse 30, it says, I'll praise the name of God with a song. He doesn't mind if we sing a song and we worship him in that way as well. But you know, the great thing that he does for us is, of course, he gives of his spirit. And all of us that are here tonight, I believe, we know where it says about in, in Romans chapter 8 and verse 26, well, the spirit helps our infirmities. It says, we know not uh, what we should pray for as we ought, but the spirit itself makes intercession for us. When we can't find the other words that we want to take to the Lord, the Spirit's going to step in. It says, here, I know what to say. I know what you need. I know what's in your heart. And I know exactly how to say it. And so we use the Spirit in that way. makes intercession with groanings that cannot be uttered. It's a great thing to do. So the encouragement through the Scriptures is keep talking. Bring words to the Lord. A part of that, bring words to each other. In Malachi chapter 3 and verse 16 it says, Then they that feared the Lord, they spoke often one to another. Do you know, it's by us speaking with each other, we also learn what things to bring to the Lord and what words to bring to him. It says, And the Lord hearkened, and he heard it, and a book of remembrance was written before him for them that feared the Lord, and that thought upon his name. It says, And they shall be mine. Those people, there's a simple little request, a simple little instruction, take some words and turn to the Lord, and they'll, they'll be mine, he says. In that day when I make up my jewels, and I'll spare them as a man spares his own son that serves him, it says, and then shall you return, and because you practice the right words, you'll also get good understanding, and you will discern. You'll understand the difference between the righteous and the wicked, between him that serves God and him that serves him not. What an understanding that is. And so let's make sure it's in our practice. Let's think some words and take them to the Lord. Amen. Amen. 